God bless you, our sister Itzai, for taking us through that time of prayer. We're going to lift up one more prayer and then we'll get into our agenda. Actually, let me not say that our agenda for today because the prayer is part of the agenda for today. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we go to church and when the word is about to come, we say, now we've got into the most important part of the meeting. No, that's not the most important part. From the gathering of yourselves together, when you guys got on the phone and or you guys came together and you were laughing and sharing your joy in the Lord, it's so important to the Lord. It's all important. When you were worshiping the Father in songs of praise and adoration, it was important to the Lord. And it was important for you. The Word of God, the coming of God's Word is not the most important. Everything you do under the meeting, under the auspices of the Holy Ghost, is important. Hallelujah. So you know some people, they wait when the Word is about to come, that's when they'll, they'll go to church. They, 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 you know, when they go to church, they'll get out, sit outside, you know. There's worship, they will not partake. There's fellowship, they will not partake. The only thing they want is the Word. You miss out on a lot. You see, in meetings like this, in corporate meetings like this, where believers come together, there is a release of an unction, a divine unction, by which the Holy Ghost accomplishes so much in our lives, which is not seen with the optical eyes. I tell you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But we're going to lift up a prayer. This morning we prayed a prayer when we when we had um you know the morning morning devotion we prayed a prayer and the the scriptural basis for that prayer was casting all your cares onto the lord for he cares for you the bible says that not even a strand of hair on your head will fall and god will not know it he knows every single strand of hair on your head and he has numbered them if God so cares for us that way, why ought we bear unnecessary burdens? This morning, you are going to cast all your cares onto the Father. Hallelujah. Tonight, you are going to cast all your cares onto the Father. Lay it or every trouble, any uncertainty of the future, lay it to Him. Lay it before Him tonight. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice and begin to pray. Lift up your hands and begin to every care, every anxiety, every cause, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the name of Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, Lord, my Lord, Virgin Mary, whose birth was prophesied centuries even before he was born, that Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, that Lamb that was slain even before the foundations of the world, that Lamb that is worthy to break open the sins of the scrolls, it is he that is exalted amongst us tonight. Hallelujah. He came as a Lamb. But I tell you, dearly beloved, he's going to come back and sit upon the throne of judgment as a lion. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you that you've anointed my lips to speak your word. I pray, let my lips speak only truth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. But then, we thank the Lord for Another wonderful meeting today. And as we fellowship, it's always important to, you know, speak to one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, teach one another, and come to the knowledge of truth as we read in the Word of God unto us. Before I get into today's word, today's word is actually a continuation of what we started studying last week. But I, I want to make mention of something to you. When a believer decides to get serious with his walk of faith, four things happen. Write these things down. When a believer decides to get serious with his walk of faith, four things happen. Four things happen. The first thing is he begins to pray. He begins to pray. Why? Because prayer is the means by which 
a man fellowships with God. Hallelujah. Prayer is not simply a means by which a man asks something from God, but prayer is a means by which man fellowships with God. That's why the Bible says that Jesus will rise up early in the morning and seclude himself to a solitary place, and there he would pray. He would commune with the Father. So when a man begins to take his walk of faith seriously, first thing is he becomes prayerful, that he spends more time communing with the Father. The second thing he does is he begins to study the Word of God. Not so that he may prove that he knows, but so that he, could, he can receive light to guide him in his path. The Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. The word of God is a light. And every man that gets serious with his work of faith will crave that light. Will begin to study the word of God. That he may receive light for his path. The third thing he will do is he will fellowship with other believers. There is no serious Christian who lives in isolation. Never. Never. If you are a believer and you do not have a family of other believers with whom you worship, you are not serious with your work of faith. The moment you begin, as you, 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 you get serious with your work of faith, one of the things you will do is you begin to fellowship with other believers. The Bible said that we've come unto Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirit of just men made perfect. Hallelujah. Amen. And he says, to the church of the firstborn. That's very important. To the church. That is the assembly of the firstborn. What is the assembly of the firstborn? It is fellow believers. That is the entire body of Christ. You begin to realize that Father has other sons. You are not the only son of the Father. Father has other sons with whom he desires that you would fellowship. Hallelujah. And through that fellowship, your faith is built up. That's the third thing you do. The fourth thing that you do, when a man gets serious with his work of faith, is he becomes passionately, listen to my word very well, passionately concerned and involved with the business of the Father. What's the business of the Father is the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry. And I've been telling you, Always that we are all called to the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. We are all called to the work of the ministry. Shelly, you are called. God called you into the ministry. Hallelujah. Felicia, you are called. God has called you into the work of the ministry. Shelly, you are called. All of us are called into the ministry. I'm not talking about the faith. Into the ministry. They make the faith we are born again into the faith, but you are called into the ministry. Meaning you have a part to play in the agenda of God here on the earth. You have a part to play. You do, you do, you do, you do. Oh, you do. And the moment you get serious with your work of faith, you become passionately concerned and involved with the work of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I think 
next week or another time, we'll take these four things and delve into them deeply. But I want to continue where we left up last week. Last week, we studied about what it means to be born again. We decided to touch on some basics because, you see, you can't do the work of the ministry if you yourself are not acquainted or you lack understanding concerning certain things in the faith because you're going out there to teach people Jesus and going to other world and make disciples. And I've always said the pathway to making believers is preaching. You preach the gospel, that is, you announce the good news of the saving knowledge of Christ, and then believe, and they are saved, and they become believers. But to transform believers to disciples, that is, followers of Christ, they need to be taught. The reason that the, the, the apostles or the people who followed Jesus were called disciples is because Jesus taught them and they followed his teachings. Hallelujah. The believer is a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ. And that happens through teaching. That is why I always have a problem when for 52 weeks of the year you go to church and you are preached at. I have a problem with that. Preaching can never make disciples. It is teaching. You need to bring men to the understanding of what this faith is all about. Hallelujah. If you understand, you do better. You know that? If you understand, you do better. Have you ever been in class and there are some math concepts you don't understand? When the questions are put to you, they are like puzzles. You look at them and they look so esoteric. <laughs> How many of you have encountered some trick questions or some calculus questions and the, the questions now nah, they look so esoteric to you like they are from outer space <laughs> that is when that is when you see let me tell you if you want to know people who struggle in exams look at their pen tops you know when you buy a pen there's always a pen top look at their pen top if they've chewed the pen top so much, the degree to which they chew the pen top is a revelation that they struggle in exams. <laughs> Somebody say, hey, Pastor Sam, where did you get this one? <laughs> but it's true, it's true, it's true, hallelujah. So, you see, for the things of the faith to not become a puzzle to you, you ought to, you know, come to the place of understanding. And that happens through teaching. In the book of in the book of First Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And mind you, see the Corinthian church, they were experiencing an explosion of the spiritual. They were experiencing an explosion of the spiritual. What do I mean by explosion of the spiritual? An explosion of the supernatural. It is through them that we have the revelation of the nine gifts of the spirit. And they will see manifestations of the Holy Ghost like never before in healing and all those things. But amidst all these things, they lacked understanding of what was happening through them and with them. Hallelujah. So some were coming up with crazy, crazy theories like we have all over today. So Paul had to write to them. So when you read the book of First Corinthians, chapter number 9, there about, Paul said to them, Now concerning spirituals, I will not have you ignorant. Meaning that they were ignorant. They lacked understanding. So Paul had to teach them, to bring them, take them out of their ignorant state to the place of understanding of spiritual things. That way they could better handle the manifestation of the Spirit through them. Hallelujah. 
it's important. You see why we must teach? Why we must teach him is so important, brethren. Very, very important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very, very important. And last week we, we, we studied on um, what it means to be born again. And we said to be born again means, in the Greek word, it actually means to be born from above. And we went back to the prophecy of the Old Testament that spoke to us about being born again. That is Ezekiel chapter number 36. And there was something beautiful we saw there that God said that, and I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways and my statutes. He says, after he said, and I, I'll give you a new spirit, then he said, I will put my spirit in you. Hallelujah. And we saw, we saw, the, we, we saw the, the correlation of that scripture in the book of First Corinthians, chapter number, I think, 12, verse 13, where, where Paul said that, For by one spirit have we all been baptized into one body, and have been made to drink of that same spirit. Hallelujah. Tell you what, dearly beloved, you cannot live the Christian life without the Holy Ghost. That is why God said, I will put my spirit in you and cause you, he himself, the spirit in you will cause you to walk in the statutes and the ways of God. You can't walk in the statutes and ways of God by your own self. The way the Bible says that not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. The Bible also says that it is God who works in us both to will and to do. Very important. But to will and to do. Meaning, even to will the thing to do it, it is God. It is God working in you by His Spirit. And to do it. You know, sometimes we, we complain, this Christian life is so hard. Why? It's because we've not yielded to the Holy Ghost yet. I tell you what, if you allow the Spirit within you to take over, eh, things will begin to become easy. Your life of faith becomes easy. Hallelujah. Allow the Holy Ghost to take over. Allow the Holy Ghost to take over. And one of the ways you allow the Holy Ghost to take over is by praying in the Spirit often. Let me tell you the secret to praying in the Spirit. See, when the Holy Ghost comes in you, the first thing He takes control over is your tongue. That is why you speak in other tongues. He takes over your tongue. Because your tongue charts the course of your life. He doesn't want you speaking anything contrary to the word of God. So that you nullify the word of God in your life. He takes over your tongue. Hallelujah. Amen. And in the same way, the more you pray in the spirit, the more you cause the spirit within to take charge. He begins to dominate your senses. Dominate his will begins to dominate your will. And you realize that the Holy Ghost, you become more responsive to the movings of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It is almost as though your life is being regimented by the Spirit. That is when the scripture that says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's when that scripture becomes a reality in your life. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the secret of the Christian life. It's the secret. He's the reason people cannot, you know, calculate us. He's the reason people cannot predict us. The Bible says that the wind blows where it lives. You hear the sound thereof, but you know not from whence it comes, nor whence it goes. So is every man born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. 
this Christian work is a spiritual work. So it takes the spirit divine to enable you work the spiritual work. Sometimes you are trying to work the spiritual work without physical strength. It can't happen. You can't do it. Hallelujah. And we also made mention that the Holy Ghost, we said the Holy Ghost will cause you to walk in the ways of God. And we said the way of God or the ways of God is it's the way of hope, it's the way of faith, and it's the way of love. Hallelujah. You see, the ways, all the ways of God, they culminate into one thing. That is the way of God. And the way of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. All the ways of God culminate in one person. That is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that way of God is manifested in three things for us. Faith, hope, and love. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abided these three things. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of them is love. Faith, hope, and love. We are going to talk about it today. Faith, hope, and love. What is faith? What is faith? I always like to define faith as it pertains to us believers, as a living conviction in the heart of a man that makes him live a life in obedience to the word of God. Listen to it very well. A living conviction in the heart of a man that makes him live a life in obedience to the word of God. Now, there are many definitions you may, you know, come up with for faith, but this is one of them. But we're going to read a scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We know that is, that is where, you know, Paul speaks extensively concerning faith. We're going to read a scripture, then we'll learn something. Tell me your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. If you have your Bible in your there, say Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hallelujah. Verse 1 and verse 2. This is so beautiful. Listen, the way of God is faith, hope, and love. It's manifest in these three things. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, the first one, is what we are taking. Meaning that the purpose of the Spirit of God in you is to enable you walk in faith. You understand? The purpose of the Spirit is faith. It's to enable you walk in faith. What is this faith? Listen to it. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at verse 2. That's where I love. That's what we are going to focus on. He says, For by it, by what? By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Ah! Kadebranda kosahande hosmehozahai. For by it, by faith, the elders, who are the elders? Who are the elders? He's talking about the patriarchs of old, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's talking about Moses, Seth, Enoch, who worked with God and was not for God had taken him. He's talking about Sarah, Samson, all these great men of faith that he lists in the later verses. These are the elders he's talking about. He says, by it, the elders obtained a good report. Now, let me break it down for you. You see, when you write an exam 
or when you're in class one or class two or class three or even GSS one or whatever level you are, those days at the end of your, your term, your class teacher will give you a report that will show you your grade, right? He'll give you a report that will show you your grade. Okay, math, you had one or you had A and you had an A and, and English, you had a B and then in social studies, you had a C and um, what, what are the other technical drawing? The way, the way mankind has carried this square and drawing board is not easy. <laughs> you know, those days I wondered, hey, what am I ever going to do with this thing in my life? But it was all part of the tra it was all part of the training process. Hallelujah. But you see, you, you receive a report card at the end of the semester that tells you whether you have a good report, whether you, you did well or you did not do well. And when you take it to your dad, your dad will say, oh, good, you've done well. Some too, you know, your dad will take you to the corner and give you some small lashes because you didn't do very well in some subjects. And I tell you, my dad always operated on one principle. He always said to me, Sam, what is good can be better and the better best, but even the best is not good enough. So you got a 90, you see, you got a 90 and you had an A, but you tell you that it's not, it's not good enough. You could have gotten a 90, you could have gotten 99 or 100. That is a better A. <laughs> oh my goodness. You, you, you see the kind of, you, you, you see the kind of strict, of, I mean, observation of my grades that I lived under. Anyways. It all, it all made me a better person. Hallelujah. So you see, the Bible says that by faith, let me put it in this way, by faith, the elders, they obtained A's on their report card. You see, so at the end of their life, God is the class teacher. And God is giving them grades for everything in their life. Because they worked in faith in all things, they had A in all things. God gave them an A. It wasn't that they got the A. God gave them an A. God looked at their faith work. He looked at the way they worked. They lived by faith, so God gave them an A. They obtained a good report. It was God's testimony of their life. That report was God's testimony of their life. That I approve of the kind of life you lived. Because they lived by faith. No wonder the Bible says that for without it, it is impossible to please God. You see, so that, that tells me, Bennett, that faith is actually something we should be teaching all the time. So that men can walk in faith. You understand? So that men can walk in faith. By it, they obtain the good report. And I tell you, God is no respecter of persons. Lewin, you will obtain a good report through faith and faith alone. Surely you would obtain a good report through faith and faith alone. Also, you would obtain a good report through faith and faith alone. Nothing more, nothing less. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. The Bible says that, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. It's mm, years old. The first time I read that scripture, I was like, wow. 
in the New Testament, listen, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That means that anything you do outside of faith is a displeasure unto God. And sin is a displeasure unto God. Hallelujah. You see how faith is so important? Faith is so, 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 so important. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next thing. There's so much I could talk about when it comes to faith. And we know how faith comes. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? Word of God. By the word of God. Who knows where that scripture is? Who knows where that scripture is? This is part of the quiz for today. Who knows where that scripture is? Okay. The New, the new Testament. Surely then. Romans 10, 17. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, you know, we know how faith comes. Faith comes by the word again, by the word of God. Meaning the more of God's word I receive, the more faith I would have. Hallelujah. 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 You see, when you realize that you are walking in, you you easily fear, you easily doubt, it's because there's little of God's word in you. I always tell people, if you realize in your life that any little thing you are afraid, any little thing you get scared, any little thing you get anxious, any little thing you get frustrated, because there's little of God's word in you. There's little of God's word in you. So what you have to do, the, the prescription is not prayer. When you have a friend who is always fearful, it's not prayer. Tell him to study God's word. That is the solution. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next one. The Bible says that these three are about faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. The second is the way of God is the way of hope. Hallelujah. First Peter 1 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Listen, he has begotten us again unto a living hope. I love it that he did not just say he has begotten us again unto a hope, but a living hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Turn with me your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Let's read the scripture there. I love those scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter number chapter number 15, verse 13 to 19. Beautiful scriptures here. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Actually, let me read from verse 12. The Bible says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some amongst you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yeah, and we we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. 
But now Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen. He has begotten us again to a living hope by his resurrection from the dead. What is that hope? It's the hope of experiencing that resurrected life. Jesus said to Martha, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that is dead, if he believes in me, he shall live. And he that believes in me, lives and continues to believe in me, shall never die. And he said to Martha, Believers doubt this. You see, as believers, it is not only in this life that we have hope. We have a hope beyond the grave, which is made possible by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. The Bible says that if Christ had not resurrected from the dead, then all those who have died in Christ have perished. Hallelujah. But we have a hope beyond the grave. See, that is why we preach the way we preach. That is why we live the way we live. Because we have a hope beyond this world. We know that death is not the end. When we die, we have simply fallen asleep. We have not perished. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him should not perish, should not perish. Brethren, we do not perish. We do not waste away. When you talk about perishing, meaning that the thing is spoiled, it is wasting away. It is destroyed. We are not destroyed by death. We, we, we don't perish through death. No. Through death, rather, we obtain our hope, which we have of the life beyond death. That glorious hope. That one day he will transform our vile bodies into glorious bodies. Hallelujah. Amen. Look look with me to John, first John chapter number one. First John chapter number one. I love this one. And you'd be amazed on the things that you see here. First John chapter number one, verse three. Actually, let me read from verse one so that we get it. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it do not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Oh, Rhoda, do you know that when Christ appears, you shall be like him? There will be no difference. You will just be like Christ. It's that like you will be like Christ, your master. When he shall appear, you will be just like him. You see, when you got born again, that day you got born again, three things happen because man is trapatite. Okay? Man is trapatite. You are a spirit and you have a soul. And you live in a body. Your body is simply your house here on the earth. Your soul is an integration of your emotions, your will, and your intellect. But you yourself, you are a spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. And the day you got born again, your spirit man was saved. So in the realm of the spirit, you look like Jesus Christ. 
just like that, there is no difference between you and Christ. You look like Jesus. You are saved completely. But you see, your soul is in the process of being saved. That's what the Bible says, that the gospel is foolishness to them that are perishing. But to us who are being saved, meaning there is a process of salvation. What salvation is that? It is the salvation of your soul. How does the salvation of the soul happen? The Bible says that be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind after the likeness of who you are now in the spirit through the word of God. That is what brings the salvation of your soul. But then you got born again, the things you are thinking about, those were the same things you are thinking about. Why? Because your mind is the seat of your soul. So when you renew your mind, that brings the salvation. You are delivering your soul from the worldly way of thinking. You are delivering your soul. Hallelujah. The Bible says that through knowledge shall the just be delivered. That's what the Bible says. The deliverance of your soul comes through the renewing of your mind. That's why studying God's word is important. Your soul needs to be saved. Hallelujah. That's why it's a battle. The Bible says that, you know, ye pilgrims and aliens in this world, he says, abstain from worldly lust. That war against your soul. They are not warring against your spirit. Your spirit man is already saved. They are warring against your soul. Why? Because your soul is in the process of being saved. The devil is fighting for your soul. And, and God wants your soul also through his word. Hallelujah. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. And your body, this flesh, this flesh, it shall be saved when Christ shall appear. That's why the Bible says that, you know, in a twinkle of an eye, it says, I show you a mystery, in a twinkle of an eye. It says, we shall not all sleep. But in a twinkle of an eye, we shall be changed. Hallelujah. That is when mortality shall put on immortality. And we shall appear like Christ with glorified bodies. That is the redemption of our bodies, the salvation of our souls. That is when it shall appear. That is when it shall happen. Turn with me your Bible to the book of Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Write these scriptures down. I'm going, I'm going fast because of time. But write them down and meditate upon it. Romans chapter number 8, verse 19. Verse 19 to 23. I read here. The Bible says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Hallelujah. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travailed in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we groan ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wait the redemption of our body. Hallelujah. For we are saved by hope. Look at that, look at that. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Hallelujah. Amen. It says we are saved by hope. But then we have a hope. We have a hope. We have a hope. Hallelujah. It's the hope of the redemption of our bodies. Let's go back to the John. First John chapter 1 verse 3. Let's finish it there.
Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Sorry, First John chapter number 3, verse 3. Let's look at it there. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be like. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. The secret to living a life of purity is in having this hope in yourself that when you see him, you shall be as him. Hallelujah. It's the hope. The hope that we have of the redemption of our bodies. The hope that we have of his coming, his soon coming. The hope that we have that when we shall see him, we shall be like him. It is a secret to living a pure, a pure life. Because of this hope, you withdraw yourself from anything in this world that defiles you. And you set yourself apart unto the Lord. Hallelujah. You live a sanctified life because you know you have a hope. Because not only in this world do you have hope, you have a hope beyond this world. Let me tell you, people will think when they die, that is the end. They live anyhow. They do anything. But we know that there is something beyond the grave. Hallelujah. We know there is a life beyond. There is a resurrection beyond that. So we do not live for the here and now. We live for eternity. And because of this great hope we have in ourselves, we purify ourselves. We live a sanctified life. Hallelujah. I'm bringing my message to a close. Let's go to the third thing. This way in which the Spirit leads you is also the way of love. It's the way of love. And I love it. The Bible says, and the greatest of these is love. You see, as for love, I can preach on it the whole year. But there are just a few things I want to point out to you. The Bible says that God is love. Let me tell you something. The very nature of God is love. His very essence is love. And in Christ Jesus, we saw the very embodiment of love walking on the face of the earth. And if God is love, and we are born of God. The Bible says in the book of John 1.13, John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he gave power to be, to be called the sons of God. People not born of flesh and blood, but people born of God. If this God of love has given birth to us, then who are we? We are sons of love. Hallelujah. Say with me, I'm a son of love. I know the ladies, you are finding it difficult to say you are a son. We are using son in the generic sense. Hallelujah. But feel free, feel free to say I'm a daughter of love. Hallelujah. You are a son of Listen, that is the nature of God. If you walk outside of love, you are living contrary to your nature. Hallelujah. That's why John, you see, when you read the book of John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, you think John is from another planet. He said that anyone who hates his brother abides in death. 
It's just the love of God is not in him. <laughs> John. Why was John saying those things? Because you see, if you walk outside of love, you are living outside your nature. You are living contrary to your nature. It's like hearing a cat barking like a dog. Have you ever seen a cat barking like a dog? That is very strange. He's acting out of character. You look at the cat and be, and be surprised. Let me tell you, dearly beloved, sometimes eh, when you act out of character, you now look at yourself and say, no, I'm full of love. I can't think this way. I can't do things this way. I can't speak this way. I'm full of love. That's my nature. Hallelujah. That is your nature because you are born of God and God is love. And God is love. And God is love. Hallelujah. Look at the scripture in the book of Luke chapter 9, 55. The Bible says, let me give you the background to that scripture. The Bible says that Jesus was walking through a town, I think it was Samaria also. And the Bible says that his face was as though that he would not stay in the town, but he was going for You see, the people in the town wanted Jesus to stay. They had heard of the miracle he was doing. They had heard of the great impact he had had on the other cities around. Economic impact Jesus even had on the cities around. Because when Jesus holds a crusade, the number of people who come, all the businesses around flourish because of the number of people who are there. Hallelujah. So you see, all the people who own businesses, government officials, they all wanted Jesus to stay in the town. But Jesus did not want to stay. And because of that, they, they became angry and they were hooting at him and his disciples. Do you know what James and John said? James and John said, oh God. They said to Jesus, Jesus, let us so that we will call down fire from above like Elias, that is Elijah did, to consume these people. James and John <laughs> they wanted to call down fire to consume the people. Why? Because they rejected them. Sometimes your boss rejects you and you want to call down fire upon his head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your friend insults you and you, you, don't, you, want to, you want to call down fire upon his head. Oh God, Mr. Neosra Grad Agunity. I call down lightning and thunder upon my boss's head. Amen. Your tenant, your, your landlord is asking you for the rent. You don't have it, so you are calling thunder and lightning up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that all? But you see, listen to the response of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 55. The Bible says, But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. You don't know what spirit you are made of. But then I submit unto you, the spirit you are made of is the spirit of love. The Bible says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound. The spirit in you is the spirit of love. And if that spirit of love is in you, he will cause you to walk in the way of love. The Bible says that all men are nothing but to love them. The only thing you owe men is to love them. You owe all men love as a debt. Hallelujah. Love. Love. The Bible says that how can you say you love God, whom you have not seen, and yet 
hate your brother whom you have seen. The way we demonstrate the love of God in our hearts is towards our brethren. The Bible says that for we know that we are passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. The Bible says that we ought to love the brethren sincerely with an unfeigned love. Hallelujah. Not the similitude, that is pretense. Don't love with pretense. If you love, you love. Don't, don't, don't pretend the love. Hallelujah. Because the spirit in you is the spirit of love. And if the Holy Ghost is working in you, He will cause you to walk in the way of love. He will cause you to walk in the way of love. Cause you to walk in the way of love. Hallelujah. And what is love? First Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Ah, can somebody help me? Who knows that scripture? Can somebody continue for me? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is what else? Love does not envy. It does not envy. Mm, I'm a corporate. Right there and there, I'm a corporate. Love does not envy. Love does not envy. Where's the other one? It's the first one. It's suffered long. That means that it's able to endure. It suffers long. Long suffering. These days we can't long suffer because we don't have love. Hallelujah. What's the next one? <laughs> that's no boast. Mm, that's no boast. The only boast of love is in the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Mm. What else? Does not get angry easily. Mm, does not get angry easily. Oh, easy though. Love does not get angry easily. Love is not touchy. It did not say that it does not get angry. It gets angry, but does not get angry easily. It takes a long time for him to get angry. Look at God. Do you know that it takes a long time for God to get angry? The Bible says that let not the sun go down on your anger. Sometimes we are angry and we sleep with it and we wake up and then the anger has turned to resentment. Anytime you sleep with your anger, you wake up and the anger has metamorphosed into resentment. I'm telling you, before you go to bed, make sure that anger is out. If you are angry with your husband, angry at your husband, please solve the issue before you sleep. You are angry with your fiancé. Solve the issue before you sleep, before you, 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 you go to bed that night. If you are angry with your friends, solve that issue. Or pray about it. Let your heart be free. Hallelujah. What's the next thing? Um, believe all things. Hmm. Love believes all things. Hallelujah. It believes all things. What's the next one? Love always hopes. Love always hopes. You see, that is why the believer is always full of hope. That is the secret because the spirit of love in him causes him to hope. Even against hope, he hopes. Hallelujah. And what is the next? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices mm. with the truth. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
two things. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It rejoices. That means that love loves the truth. It always stays on the side of truth. Hallelujah. What's the next thing? Love always perseveres. Love always perseveres. It perseveres. You see where our Christian perseverance comes from is because of the spirit of love in us. What is the next, Bennett? Love always trusts. Love always trusts. Hey, that one is a serious one. Oh. <laughs> What's the next one, Bennett? Love never fails. Love never. Oh. Love never fails. Listen, brethren, if you walk in love, victory is yours. You will never fail. You see, they took love and crucified him on the cross. And they buried love. They thought that was the end of love. But on the third day, love rose again. Ask me where love is now. He's seated at the right hand side of the Father. The place of all power and dominion. Love never fails. It would appear as though it is failing, but it never fails. Because love is the greatest of all. Hallelujah. But I brought my message to a close. Listen, the Holy Ghost who dwells in you will lead you in the way of faith, will cause you to hope, and will cause you to walk and live in love. That is the kind of spirit that dwells in you. Hallelujah. You want to lift up your voice and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost as the Word of God has come unto you tonight. You want to just lift up your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. Imanu Sakines, Sakines,